two, one. Hey, just left the store. I will be there shortly. Got something for you and the baby. So I will see you in a little bit. Yeah, put the beers in the freezer. And uh, we'll have a good time. Shut the fuck up. Really? Was it worth it? Now he'll never make dinner, never again. And several people won't make it home. Texting, it can wait. No texting while driving. Brought to you by Road to Stardom Radio. had a beautiful Tuesday. All right. So what y'all do today? What did everybody do before now? Well, I was just chilling today watching TV. Okay. Right. And I was busy listening to a Radio, playing with trumpets, uh, fire stick in the studio. And right now, I'm waiting for my breakfast box to warm up. So, if you on the line, Doug, press one so I can open your mic. What up, what up, what up? Press that one, press that one. How you be? How you be? What up? Here we go. How you? What up? What's up, Dad? What's going on? Nothing much. Nothing much. Just enjoying the night. Enjoying the night. There you go. There you go. The last show, you were talking about you wanted to discuss about the seeing eyes dog. Yeah. Yep. You are ready. First, I'm going to have Ruth read an article, and then I've got something that we're going to add to that, and then we're going to discuss it here, okay? All right, let's go. So here we Good go. Deal. 
this is an, an article that I found in a magazine. Okay, it says, while some seek solace from flying with pets, others see it as a nuisance or worse. More and more people are flying with pets they say are necessary for emotional support. Sharon Diovano goes so far as to call them something else, four-legged terrorists. That may seem harsh, but Diovano, which is visually impaired and travels at least once a week in her job, is president and CEO of World Services for the Blind, says she was recently walking to an airport with her service dog, Watson, when a small dog came running out of a gate waiting area and lunged at them, biting Watson under the chin. Luckily, the bite wasn't serious, but Giovanni says she was horrified and rattled. She talked to the dog's owner, who quickly apologized. I said, apology accepted, but your dog should have been secured. The owner said, well, this is my service dog. And I said, no, 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 that's your dog that you don't want to put in a kennel. And you went out and bought the equipment you need off Amazon, and you're getting away with it. Giovanni suspects there was a big difference between Watson trained to be a service dog that performs a task for someone with a disability and the dog that attacked him. Airlines report more and more people are taking pets on airplanes by calling them emotional support animals. Such animals don't have to perform any tasks or services for their owners. Instead, a licensed therapist writes a letter certifying that the person traveling with the animal has a mental illness, like PTSD or anxiety, that the animal sues by its presence. In 2015, one major airline carried more than 24,000 emotional support animals compared with about 14,000 service animals, according to the International Air Travel Association. Thanks to a federal law, emotional support animals are allowed to board a flight at no extra charge. They can sit on the floor at their owner's feet or in their laps if they're small enough. Not everyone is happy about that. Statistics kept by the U.S. Department of Transportation show that complaints related to animals for people with unspecified disabilities have surged by 500% in the last five years, increasing from 411 in 2012 to 2041 in 2016. In contrast, complaints related to service animals for people with visual impairments, but remained relatively steady, about 13 each year for U.S. airlines. Sometimes the incidents are annoyances. An emotional support pig that kicked off off a U.S. Airways flight in 2014 after it defecated in the aisle, for instance. In other cases, emotional support animals have injured people. In February, a dog nipped a young girl who was boarding a Southwest Airlines flight in Phoenix, breaking the skin on her forehead and causing a minor injury. In November, Brittany Langoas of 
Southbridge, Massachusetts, said she was bitten in the leg by an emotional support dog at Orlando International Airport where she waited to check in for her JetBlue flight to Boston. In June, Marlon Jackson of Daphne, Alabama, was bitten in the face by an emotional support dog as he boarded a Delta flight from Atlanta to San Diego. Jackson was taken to the hospital. He needed 28 stitches. On Twitter, a frequent flyer who's allergic to dogs has started logging these incidents under the hashtag um, number E-S-A-O-F-T-H-E-D-A-Y. He gathered stories of emotional sports pigs, horses, ducks, and turkeys, he recently snapped an image of a passenger in Miami International Airport with three animals, two cats, and a dog. A woman who recently tried to travel with an emotional support peacock also recently made headlines. U.S. Airlines allowed the bird to fly. It's a concern, says Perry Flint, head of corporate communications, North America for the International Air Transport Association, a trade group for the world airlines. I'm going to take a break here for a little bit, see if I want to make a comment. Uh, actually, that's enough, Ruthie. Okay. All right. So, first I want to see if anybody has some comments, and then I have with me the actual ADA regulation here well, I, for service animals. No, first off, I don't think... I don't think pets, I don't think babies are annoyances on flight, especially if a pet is needed, you know, for a person with a visual impairment or emotional pet animal. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, do far more worse things on an airplane. So I don't see any problem with it. So that's my take. With that, I'm complete. Okay. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with the realm of being on the plane and having pets on the plane. I think that the two sides can, you know, um, be a little more visible and come to a conclusion on where people can be more assisted on the plane, especially if they need animals or that if they have animals that guide them. Okay. Well, Having been a three-time user of guide dogs or dog guides, two leader dogs and one pilot, okay? okay? We have to understand those dogs that come from those schools, it takes $40,000 to train just one. Just one. What? From its puppyhood all the way to its completion of training. These dogs are trained to, A, ignore other dogs, cats, birds, you name it. And number two, they are expected to be under control in all circumstances. Mm. And number three... Number three, the owner is expected to keep their dog well-groomed, leash at all times. Another thing, before the dog ever enters formal training, 
a trainer that the dog doesn't even know, as soon as the dog is brought into the school's kennel, while the dog is eating, a trainer will put their hand in the dog's food dish while it is eating. Any dog that it snarls, snaps, or attempts to bite is automatically rejected. Wow. Because that behavior, that behavior shows that that dog may have a tendency toward fear biting. Okay. Okay. Now, according to the ADA, which I have right here, and we could actually let it run through, let my computer read the ADA for you. The Americans with Disabilities Act, even though a emotional support animal, which these people are claiming these animals are, they do not require formal training. But according to the ADA, even an emotional support animal must, and I quote, be under control. So that means they at least should have some basic obedience training, and they should not be making a nuisance of themselves, for example, like this so-called emotional support pig that takes a dump in the aisle. See, for example, if I take a service dog, a, a seeing eye dog, into a theater, the ADA states very clearly, if my dog is barking in the theater, the theater owner has the right to refuse that dog entry into the theater. They can refuse, even though they could allow me in the theater, they, just, they can refuse, though, the dog entry into the theater. If I go into a store, such as a grocery store or a bakery, and my dog is shedding all over the place or taking a dump on the floor, they can refuse the dog on those grounds and refuse the dog entry into their facility. But they cannot refuse me entry into the facility. They only can refuse the dog. The dog is out of control, the same thing. No matter where I go, they can refuse the dog. And the same thing is true for the airlines. If these service animals are out of control, if they have been reading the ADA, it very clearly states that these animals, if they're performing a service, including emotional support, they must be under control at all times. Nobody's saying that they can't have them. What what these people are up in arms about, like the seeing eye dog handlers and stuff like that, is the fact that these dogs that are basically pets, people bringing pets on there, they get these letters from either a doctor or they go onto some of these sites where they can get a letter stating basically uh, fill out a form 
to some of these online sites and basically get a letter for their pet stating they're an emotional support animal and the person doesn't even have to prove that they even have a mental illness. And they could and then they could go on Amazon buy these uh jackets that say that the dog is an emotional support animal and board a flight and that dog has no formal obedience training, no formal anything. And these dogs are out of control and they're biting people. So the big question I have for each of you, how would you feel if that was your son or daughter that got on that flight and they were bit by one of these pets posing as an emotional support animal that's not trained with any kind of obedience and is not under control. Well, um, I wouldn't be happy about that. Happy. Yeah. Uh, I will be visibly upset about that. You know, um, yeah, I'll be upset. And what the the disabled community is saying is, hey, we need to crack down. They need to crack down on the uh, people that are doing this because it's becoming a problem. Right. Right. It puts uh it sounds like it's a difficult situation. Um I can only imagine, you know, uh it's just something that has to be done, um, for both fans. You know, um yeah. Terms gotta come, you know, in between and people gotta meet halfway and you know, so People are out there that do need help when it comes to, you know, uh, pets that serve that purpose. Right. And I don't deny that there are those who definitely need it. Now, here's a crazy question. Here's a crazy question. I'm just curious. Um, I've heard of CNA dogs, but... Have there ever, or is there such thing as a CNI cat? Uh, six. Unfortunately, no, because the dog has to have a certain height requirement in order to have the harness on, in order to guide the blind person. They they have to measure a certain height at the shoulder, uh, twenty-seven to thirty inches at the shoulder. All right, who just opened up a pop? I want one. Somebody just opened up a drink. I heard it. <laughs> Wasn't me. Hi. So, Missionary King. Right. Okay. What can they do to crack down on it? What is the solution? Well... My own opinion, here's what they need to do, okay? As a per- when, when a person uh, gets their ticket um, and they know the person's name because they, they have to provide their name and the name of the service dog, okay, 
or service animal, whether it's dog, cat, whatever, okay? If the animal, if they find out that that person's animal is out of control, according to the ADA, go according to the law, according to the ADA. Refuse that animal passage the next time that they are to travel. Go according to the rule that's right there in the ADA, according to what it already says. Uh-huh. I mean, it's right there. It's already written. It's been there. Say, hey, you can travel on the airline, but you just cannot have this animal on board the flight. You're going to have to put it in a kennel and do like any other pet owner because your animal was out of control. Once you could prove that it's had formal training and you've got it under control, then we will allow it on the flight. Until then, you're going to have to do like any other pet owner. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Okay, just like humans, humans have good days, they have bad days, where they're, you know, not necessarily in the best of moods. Okay, isn't an animal allowed to have a bad day? I mean, let's just say hypothetically that's one of the animal's bad days. Explain that. Well, hypothetically, Six, okay, okay, even a senile dog, they have bad days. But that's where the handler, that's where the handler comes in. Their job is to, and I quote, keep the animal under control. They're supposed to have the animal under control on lead. If you have an, a dog and it's got no leash, of course it's going to get loose and bite people. These instances that they're talking about, these animals weren't even on leash. Oh, well, that's, yeah, well, that's. The ADA makes it very plain. They're to be, quote, under control, unquote. Well, to be under control, that means they have a leash on. They make leashes for cats. Collars and leashes for cats. So there's no reason for that cat or that dog to be loose to where it will bother other passengers, etc. There's no reason for it. Uh, wow, that's interesting. Eating right now. He's having his dinner right now. I got him an automatic food um, uh, dispenser, and his dinner time is at 8:25 now. When I ask this question next Tuesday, anybody that gets the answer wins. I'll send it to your cash app. If you could tell me what time Trumpet's dinner time is, next on Sixth and Road, you win $10. A very... Simple matter. I mean, if it, I mean that's just like um, what happened to Truman when I was walking with him down, you know, a sidewalk here in Ashtabula. A guy had his Rottweiler. It got. He had it in the house. He opened the, his door, and the dog got loose. And because that Rottweiler was not trained or anything, it came out. And that dog bit my dog, and my dog ended up out of commission, not able to do his job for over two weeks. 
And that wasn't the only instance where I had other dogs come up and bother my dog. There, there were people that had dogs, had them just be walking down the street with no leash, and I had to remind them, hey, we have a leash law here. My dog is on a leash along with a harness. Why isn't your dog restrained? What did you say? And they'd be over there hemming and hawing. Uh, 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 uh. Well, there are laws. Well, I mean, these people want to have emotional support animals. Okay, I'm all for that. I have no problem with that. But read the Americans with Disabilities Act. You have responsibilities as a service animal user just like the airline and theaters or stores or whatever they got their responsibility if you don't hold up your end then they've got their responsibility they could say hey your animal's out of control your the animal's out of here i'm not going nowhere neither is my animal now what are you going to do about it Then simple enough. All they got to do, all the owners got to do is pick up the telly. That's all they got to do. Call call the authorities. That's all the owners got to do. Because the law is the law. Because if that animal is bothering other customers, what have you, I mean, they have that right. But at the same time, if that animal is under good control, is not bothering anybody, then the handler has the rights. The handler has the right to take the animal on an airplane, wherever, go into a store, whatever, with their service animal. And there's nothing, that little sign that says, no dogs allowed, doesn't mean anything. Why? Because the animal's under good control. Mm-hmm. There's responsibility on both sides, and as long as the handler knows their responsibility and meets that responsibility, no problem. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, that's a good thing. Well, uh, you are enjoying Six and Road here on Road to Starling Radio, Six Eyes Radio. Phone lines are open. If you're on the line, press the one. Weigh in on the conversation. Maybe someone out there that has an emotional sport animal would like to weigh in. So, Mr. Nathan, you still have the mo- uh uh, um, CNI dog. You're very well, Rose. Hold on one sec. Missionary, so do you still have a CNI dog? No, my last one retired about 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Okay. 
And the only reason I did not get another one is due to due to physician recommendation. Okay, so we have a new call on the line. We have two one six four one seven. I'm going to open your mic, and you can give your opinion on what we're talking about right now. Emotional support animals on airplanes. Hello, caller. Hey, Road. Hey, Six. Hey, uh, Missionary Ken. And who else did I hear? Doug. Doug. Okay. All right. Um, On this topic, I'm going to say that... I think that there should be some type of certification paper or or something to say that this is an emotional support animal um, when you go to the airport. I don't think you should be able to just say it. I think you should have a, a certified letter from your doctor or whoever prescribed that. I'm complete. Well, okay. Queen Nye, according to the ADA, they don't require a certification stating it's a, a emotional support animal. That unlike unlike a uh, a dog guide, whether seeing eye dog, pilot dog, leader dog, whatever, guide dog, whatever, they are they the the school gives a, an ID to the handler with their picture in the picture of the dog, and on the back it says this dog is certified as a highly trained dog guide, blah, 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 okay? Or if it's a, a, a balance control, a balance dog or, or a hearing ear dog or whatever, those schools give a certification thing stating those dogs have been highly trained. But an emotional support animal, there's no requirement according to the ADA that states they have to be certified. That's the downside which would also would be a good thing if they go, have some sort of certification stating they've been through a certain amount of training to state, you know, that they've met certain training requirements, at least under obedience, et cetera, would be good. I agree with you. But there, like I was talking about these phony uh, websites, there's some places where they will give you a phony certification for your pet along with this letter that's supposedly from a doctor and blah, blah, blah. But most of it for a fee, of course, usually around $200 or whatever. And then you go to Amazon, buy your little jacket and all that stating it's a service animal. But turns out, like I said, according to ADA, they don't require a certification letter. But these people, some just get a letter from their doctor. But the whole point is most of these people haven't even went to a doctor, okay? Some have. But even when they go to a doctor, they may – all they do is say, well, I need an animal for emotional support. But there's – the person hasn't even been going to the doctor very long, and they get these letters – and they don't even know if the dog has got any kind of training, and all they do is get this letter from their doctor, and they don't even have any proof that the dog has got any kind of training at all. And so that's what these people do. They just get these letters, and then next thing you know, they're getting on airplanes. 
and they're going into stores with them and what have you. And that's where the big problem is. And like you said, yeah, I have to agree with that. If they'd crack down and make it some sort of certification stating, you know, the animals at least met some sort of training requirements would mm-hmm. be a big help too. Right. I mean, animals get emotional just like people, so you just never know. Uh, sometimes they get moody. They, I mean, they. you just never know what's going through. You know, even though, like I said, people have a job, at times they, they have their moments where they're just not fully there, and I would say the same for animals. I know my right, cat. Right, but see, but see, like I was explaining about dog guides, first off, they've been bred from puppies to have the appropriate temperament for the work. And then, okay. and so first off, they've been bred for that work. And then even when they grow up, they're still tested as adults to make sure that their temperament hasn't changed, that they haven't got gotten into fear biting because just because of they grew grew up doesn't mean they grew up in a good home to where they they've turned mean okay because the home environment's going to be the key if that home if they raise that puppy where they've been kicked and beaten and whatever they're going to be they're going to grow up mean a lot of people say, well, the dog bit the mailman. The first question i got to ask you is what kind of home that puppy grew up in all along that caused that dog to turn out as he did, okay? Because I've seen Rottweilers that are guides, okay? Guide dogs, okay? Pit bulls that are guide dogs, amazing enough. And most people think pit bulls, Rottweilers... They think of them as the, you know, vicious dogs. No. These certain breeds, they've found by breeding them and raising them up in loving homes and working with their temperaments and finding the right ones, they have bred them and raised them to be calm, cool, collected under every circumstance to where that dog is just calm, cool, and collected, and nothing shakes them. And, yeah, okay, yeah, they had their days. Like, I had all three of my dogs were the kind that if you weren't like a drill sergeant, they'd get their own head and want to do what they wanted to do. And that's why they chose when – they put me with a certain dog. They always chose dogs that were kind of hard-headed because they knew I was like a drill sergeant. I'd make the dog obey or else. <laughs> While other students, they gave the more docile ones because that's the type of student they had to put with that particular kind of dog. But there were certain students like me that, you know, I had that commanding presence, so they put the the more hard-headed types and, yeah, my dogs had some days that they were really stubborn, but I had to stay with it. And every day, work on their obedience training. Every day, work with the obedience. Every day, 
didn't slack off, didn't miss a day. Why? Because you slack off, eventually they're going to slack off. That's why I'm saying it's a responsibility as a handler. You've got a heavy responsibility. You can't just be, oh, well, I got this emotional support animal. Okay, uh, fine. No, there's a big responsibility. You got the care. You got grooming every day. You got obedience to work with every day. I mean, all of that. Yeah, they're going to have their days. But at the same time, you got to be on top of it. You got to be on top of your game. I mean, uh, Michael Jordan didn't get to be the basketball player he was because he dribbled the ball once every four months. Think about what I'm saying, and you know I'm right. He got out there, he practiced hours each day, and he got as good as he did. Right. Understand. And it's the same thing with a service animal. You you got to be on their obedience every single day, and you don't work it always just in your backyard, because then they'll be only obedient in the backyard. And then when they go into a store, they think, "Oh, well, I can do what I want." No, you do the obedience in the backyard. You go over to a parking lot. You work the obedience there. You work the obedience on a sidewalk, you go down uh, to near the corner store, you do the obedience there, you do any and every place you can work the obedience routine. So that dog realized no matter where I'm at, I'm expected to stick to it. <laughs> right. I mean, when I did my obedience routine, I used to do it, you, I mean, some of the strangest places, parking decks, sidewalks, my backyard, my front yard, inside the house, outside the house, in the rain, in the sunshine, in the winter, in the snow. I mean, it didn't matter to me. I worked it. Sometimes I'd go in the middle of a store back way back when we had Kmart. I'd be in the middle of an aisle, and I'd decide, okay, time to do obedience, right in the middle of the story. That way the dog knew, hey, look, I expect you to listen and listen now. <laughs> and the minute they started, if he started getting a little attitude like you're talking about a bad day, Immediately when I saw the dog getting a bad attitude, I put him through an obedience routine right then and there to make him realize, hey, you're having a bad day, but uh, you're not going to be disobedient. You're going to do what you're told, and you're going to do it now. <laughs> right. I'm in charge, and that's going to be it. Because I knew the responsibility. The responsibility is if that dog gets out of control, they could boot my butt out of the store. It was that simple. So, missionary, Hi, Ken, missionary Ken. 
So where All right. I'm at, my supermarket where I'm at, they used to allow people to come in with dogs. But I guess, like you said, if the dog is not trained, the dog is going to act up in the store. And so now they have a sign that says only service animals are allowed in the store. You think, do you think, right. do you think every store is going to follow suit where they're only going to allow just the service animals? Well, see, that's the point. A person could come in with what they call an emotional support animal, which is they it's, they classify that under the section of service animal, emotional support. And that's where these people get these jackets through Amazon, whatever, and they put it on their pet, and they think, okay, I can bring the dog in the store. Well, there's, like I said, I have no problem with a person having an emotional support animal if they desperately need an emotional support animal. But it comes down to the store has that right, once again. Just like if I have a seeing-eye dog in the store, if that dog is disobedient and getting out of control, they have the right to boot me out. Well, by the same token, if a person has an emotional support animal, and that because that dog is performing emotional support, that's the service that the dog is performing. If that dog is being disobedient and is causing a nuisance, they have the right to boot them out. Uh-oh. I'm on air. That's why I didn't answer. Let's get off at 10. Is that okay? What's up? Can you hear me better now? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna switch topics now, and we're gonna talk. Okay. I know everybody here is not into sports, but I want to talk about this topic because Deion Sanders and you know who everybody should well everybody should have heard of Deion Sanders or know of Deion Sanders. He's a former NFL player who's retired, and now he's the he's the head coach at Colorado University. He was the head coach at Jackson State University, which is the HBCU, but he he left the school, and people were mad that he left there, left teaching at an HBCU. Left being the coach at an HBCU to go to a predominantly white school to be the head coach of their football team. Now Dion has his reasons, and it's because and his reasons is because there are not a lot of black coaches in the sport. On college level, yeah, you may see a sprinkle of black coaches here or there. On the NFL level. I think it's just right as of right now, I think it's just one, which is Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So as the coach at the HBCU, people, you know, before Deion even became the coach there, no one was paying any attention to the school. 
No one was paying any attention to the school or nothing. Dion comes there, and now everybody is start paying attention to the school and their players. When Dion became the coach, there was a top-ranking high school recruit that Dion talked to coming to Jackson State because I think he was supposed to go to either Alabama or Ohio State, one of the top schools, and he changed his mind and said, you know what, I'm going to go with Coach. His coach, they call him Coach Prime, so you might have heard the name Prime. You might not have heard them say Deion Sanders, or you might not have heard Prime, but you heard Deion Sanders. Anyway, so once he left Jackson State, he, the schools, do, they ain't winning a championship, but they were doing fairly good as a team. He did turn the team around while he was there. And then when the opportunity came for him to coach at Colorado, he took the opportunity. Now, people that support the school at Jackson State were mad that he was leaving. And then though, and these are people who were either alumni of the school or just people who live in the area that support the school, you know, when it comes to sports. They were mad that he left and went to a production. Like, if he didn't say, I'm leaving to go to another HBCU and be the head coach, I don't think the people would have been as mad. But because he left at HBCU and went to a predominantly white school to be the head coach, people were mad. And now, so now he's now he's the now he's the coach at Colorado, and now the media is giving him flack. Because last year, before he he started his coaching, the school's record was one and eleven. They only that whole season they only won one game. And when they found out Dion was going to be the coach, they, in their mindset, these sports, you know. Journalist mindset and other people, they think Dion will be able to turn this team around. So far, their first game, not their first home game, but their first game, they won. Saturday was their first home game, and they won. They beat Nebraska. I forgot who they played the the first. I forgot who the first game. The, they beat TCU, which is another you know big school that's big school known for football. They beat them. That was the oh, first yeah. game. Um, oh yeah. Nebraska was the second game. They beat them. Right. So. You know, after the game, after every game, you know, the media talks to the team, the the best, who was, whoever the best player was for the game, they talk to them, and they talk to the coach. So I'm looking at, the, I'm looking at them talk to Dion, and there were people in that, there were journalists in that there 
that went, didn't want to had doubt that doubt that he would turn the team around. And what he did, I love what he did. He 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 didn't talk to them. He said, "You doubted me." And you know they want to ask their questions. When they ask their question, he didn't answer. He talked to the other people. And my 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 thing with this this is why I bring up Dion is we need more black coaches in the sport. No matter what the sport is, to be baseball, football, no matter what the sport is, we need more black coaches. And Dion's one of those coaches who who you you think to yourself. He's a former NFL player. He knows football. You want somebody to coach your team that knows the sport. You don't just give the job just to anybody, and they don't really know the sport like they should know the sport. Dion knows the sport. He lived it and he breathed it all his life. (laughs) And so now everybody, you know, has – Everybody had it set in their mind, not just the journalists, but, but people who watch sports had it in their mind that Colorado ain't going to do good under Dion. But like I said, they won their first two games. So basically, they are 2-0 and right now, and they're ranked number – from the first game, they got ranked number 25. They got ranked number 25 from the first game. Now, I'm sure they moved up in rank because they won their, the second game. If this momentum keeps going, Gian is going to make, if they make it to playoffs, even make it to the championship. Dion is going to make these people eat their words of doubting him that he could turn this team around. But what I, my thing is this. I know you don't watch sports, Missionary Ken. I'm not sure if Nikhil watches sports. I know Six ain't really that big of into sports like that, but he does know a little bit about sports. And I'm sure Doug watches sports. Um, my question, my question is: Do you agree that we need more black coaches in not just collegiate sports but professional sports as well? It, it hurts. What was that? That it can't hurt. That'd be cool if, as long as they know the sport. Um, my personal opinion, I think we do need more black coaches, um, in all sports, in all genders, of sports. Um, what Deion Sanders is doing right now with the uh, University of Colorado is he's raising the bar. 
he's showing that, you know, it's definitely possible and that uh, if they, you know, focus in on the team, they know what they're doing when it comes to coaching, period, uh, they can go far. Um, and honestly, you know what, when it comes to Deion Sanders and coaching this team, I predict this team to be top ten, if not top five, by the year's end of this college football season. I really, really do. I, I love what he's doing. I love what he's doing for the program. No, he shouldn't have left the HBCU school, school, excuse me, but by him being at the University of Colorado, um, yeah, he's raising the bar. He's raising the standard. Uh, he has that team believing. He has um, his son who's the starting quarterback for the team, and he's taking them to new heights. He's a Heisman candidate. He will be a Heisman candidate. And, again, at the end of the uh, season, college football season, I do predict them to be either between five or ten in the college football rankings. They will make the playoffs. And don't be surprised if they go higher than the top four. Wager here. Let's bet a I hear you, Doug. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. But this is my thing. No one was thinking about when when he was the coach at Jackson State, before he became the coach, no one was thinking about Jackson State. See, these predominantly white schools do not play a lot of these HBCUs. Some that do, there's some that do. But a lot of them don't play a lot of the HBCU schools. So because they don't play them, we don't really get to we don't really get to hear about hear about them unless unless the you know sports journalists and analysts are talking about them. Well, granted, you are you know there is some facts to that, but at the same time, you got to look at the history when it comes to the HBCU schools. They're not on TV, and um, you know it, it doesn't give it gives people it doesn't give people a chance to see them when they do play. Um, I'm not going to say Jackson State wasn't known until he got into the building, but outside of that. They have players that's been in the NFL. They have players that's currently in the NFL. They do have some coaches um, that are in the NFL ranks. Uh, it's, they're not really known like a big-name school that we all know of, but they are known. There is a few other programs that are HBCU schools, but, no, they have not really been, you know, well nationally well-known unless you're really a college football fan or you actually do attend the HBCU schools. Are you going to take that bet, Doug? Excuse me? Are you going to take that bet, a Whopper meal with cheese, and $1? And $1? Yeah, I'll take the bet. I'll take the bet. I like my chances. All right, there it is. You heard it, folks. $1 and a Whopper meal from Burger King. That's the bet. Yeah, I like my chances. 
Um, and if I may, I know we need to change the subject. If I, if I may, really quick, um, I have another prediction. I predict that Deion Sanders won't be the coach of Colorado for more than five years. He's going to move to the professional ranks. I believe that's what this and, move is ultimately all about. And that's one of the reasons why he left Jackson and went to because he wants to move up in the ranks as a coach. He wants to show them he's he's a good coach one, and then by because if he stays as good as he is as a coach, right? If he stays at the HBCU level, he's not going to get as noticed as all these other coaches that coach at predominantly white schools. And because because he was there, this you know not everybody knew about because he was there as coach Jackson State. Everybody knew about all of a sudden they knew about Jackson State, ESPN. Jackson State made it to. I'm not sure if it was the championship championship game, but they made it, and ESPN because Dion's the coach decided we're going to broadcast the games. Right. Now, if it was some other coach, ESPN wouldn't have gave it a second thought. We didn't even give it a thought, not even a second thought. We didn't even give it a thought to want to broadcast the game between the two schools. I think it was like a rivalry-type game between Jackson State and another yes. school. And just think, like I said, if it was another coach, ESPN would have never said, oh, let's broadcast the game. It was everything that happened for Jackson State and the monitor while Dion was there as coach. Dion said he called. He said he called his his friends, people that he knew to help out with the you know, to help out with the school and all that stuff. And you wanna know something that's crazy? Is that all these people who complain and are mad that he left, even the alumni, they're not even donating money to the school. They only show up when it's like a, when when the school has a big game. That's when alumni shows up and show up at the game when there's a big game, like like the rival game that they had before Dion left. That's the only time they show up. They're not there for the school any other time, but at those big you know big games. Then the alumni is there. They they're not donating because when Dion left, I don't know if Dion put his name in, but Ed Reed was supposed to take his spot as head coach. And we right. and remember the controversy with Ed Reed. They they decided not to go with him as coach. Hello? He exposed the school. You know he exposed the school because he said every said him and the team were cleaning up the area where the field is. That the 
the place he, that he said was supposed to be his office, which the school said, oh, that's not his, that's not his office, he said it was all messed up, and they were cleaning it up. Outside was all messed up, and they were cleaning it up. And the school got mad and decided to not go with every anymore as the head coach. I believe... Um... When it comes to just just the names in particular, Ed Reed, or Deion Sanders, and you know various others, I believe those names and those reputations as them being former NFL players alone um, really kind of raised the bar when it comes to these schools. So it's only the second game of the college season. What I'm looking at is I want to see if these names, these same names that we bring up and these same names that I mentioned, I want to see if the consistency when it comes to them, you know, sticking to the script and, you know, being attached to these schools. I want to see how committed they are to these schools. Because if they really want to do something and if they really want to, you know, put their best foot forward and their energy and make these schools long-lasting programs that we all know or that we all get to know and get familiar with, um, I want to see how consistent they are when it comes to that. And, you know, if they fall off to any degree, when it comes to these HBCU schools, then shame on it. It shouldn't just take one person and the impact one person made when there's dozens of, you know, these former football players, which they don't need our word of mouth. They can go in there and speak on their own behalf and make an impact on their own behalf, you know, and, if they do that and if they commit themselves to these kids and show them all about the art of winning and show them about the art of, you know, being a, a, a true sportsman, then, you know, um, put your best foot forward. And maybe, you know, we can get more games as broadcast. Maybe we can get more of these teams in these schools up to a higher level and, you know, they can get well-known to the point to where, you know, we can look at these schools and we can be proud behind that. Yeah, you're right. You are so right. Because I'm a sports person. I don't, I don't watch college sports on a regular basis, but when there's teams that I want to see, I do watch those games. Right. Right. And so I didn't get to see the see the first game with Colorado, but I did see the second game, and that was a good game. It was a good game, and Dion is doing good with these kids, and it's, and he's not, you know, he's not there just just to be the co- he's you know, it's more than just being a coach. Right, sons are there with him, and they're on the team, but it's more than just being a coach. You know, teaching them football, he's teaching them life lessons. He's teaching them what manhood is really all about because there are probably some there who who may not 
have their fathers and their life. They see Dion as that father figure. So he's teaching them, you know, life lessons, how to be a man and all that stuff. And I and I, I like that. Right. Right. And there's so many others that can make the same impact. And I'll take it even further. I think there are some that can even take it farther. You know, um, it's all about commitment and, and, and being faithful. And these, you know, the 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 kids need that. The program needs it. And, um, you know, skills must be displayed on a higher level, especially, um, you know, if the name in the school, the reputation of the school wants to, you know, be on that national stage. Um, salute to Deion Sanders. I love what he's doing, like I say. And um, Colorado is definitely about to make its mark on the uh, college football tournament. It's other teams that are more stronger and, you know, play a different style, but they're climbing up the ranks and they're doing it very, very fast. Um, the impact that he's made on that team so far is uh, reaching goals that nobody never thought that it would reach because they had a super losing record last year. And um, he's turning that program around. Looking forward to the conclusion of it. Alrighty, so I want to, because we don't want to keep talking about sports, Missionary Ken doesn't do sports, so Missionary Ken, I have a, a topic I want to share since you're in the ministry. I It, it has to do with the church. So Okay, go ahead. The church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up. Because it's a video I saw, and I'm going to pull it up, and I want you to give your opinion first. So give me give me one sec. I'm going to pull it up. It was a church, and it has to do with pedophilia and a pastor. Let me know when I play the video if you can hear it loud enough. The video. So, did you hear that, Missionary King? No. So, okay, the, the the video is playing low, so I don't think y'all be able to hear what the guy is saying. So this is what the article says. Church bans kids so they can keep child molesting pastor. A church in Jacksonville, Florida, is coming under fire. And, under fire. It's controversial decision to ban children from its church services. Christ. Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church has banned children from attending Sunday services because their new pastor, Darrell Gilliard, is a registered sex offender and cannot have contact with children. 
Well, I'm just going to say this straight out. First off, uh, the people who voted him in, the people who voted that man in as pastor, I question, I question their sincerity. They should have checked him out before voting him in in the first place. Period. They should have checked him out because they, if they read their Bible, they should have known that someone like that wasn't right with God in the first place. And to have him preaching the word behind the sacred desk and yet doing something like that, <laughs> well, it's a clear contradiction. So even if he claims that he had uh, did that in the past, but yet... Oh, well, I cleared up my life. Well, still, it, it that doesn't bode well for the church. So, I mean, it really, I, I'd say, no, you can't be the pastor, that's for sure. So, if you didn't, if, I didn't, if you didn't know this story, and let's say you lived in the area you were looking for a church, would you, and you, once you joined the church, and you found this out, would you stay a member of the church? I'd be hightailing it out of there so fast it wouldn't be funny. Plain and simple, I'd be hightailing it. So, Doug, Six, what do you think of this this church? Um, it's definitely not right. I wouldn't attend. Um, I don't understand how the people could miss something of importance like that. Um, I agree with I agree with Ken. They should have did their due diligence and their homework when it came to this man stepping in the position that he's currently in. I wouldn't attend at all. I wouldn't go either. If it's if it's a pedophile at the church, I mean that's crazy. He, that's supposed to be the safest place to go. And, six, and get behind him. not only is he a pedophile, okay. he's he's registered as a sex offender. So that means being registered as a sex offender, he cannot be around children. So instead of the church saying, "Okay, we need to get a we need to get another pastor," they said, "No, we're going to ban children from the church and keep the pastor." Now, that's crazy. In the past, the kids need salvation, too. Children from, from getting to know their God. They, they need to vote his ass out. They, they don't want to do that. Why not? Do they know he's a sex offender? They probably do. Why do you think they banned the children? So they they, they probably have, you know what it is? You know what I think it is? I think they had a hard time looking for a pastor, and they finally got a pastor, and instead of, and they looked past what his background is, and just so they could have a pastor. At the cost of the children? At the cost of the children. And you know, now I'm not saying all kids, but you know most kids don't like going to church. 
So this so for those parents whose kids be like, I don't want to go to church. This is a good excuse for them not. This is a good way for the kids to get out and not going to church because they banned them. But as a parent, as a even if your children are grown, still you you have grandchildren. As a parent, regardless how old your kids are, that should deter you to want to go to church. I'm I will stop going to that church until they get a new pastor. And if they if they're going to keep this man, then I'm going to have to find me a new church to go to. Well, Wolfgang, you moved to Florida and pastored the church. More than happy to, trust me, because I'll put it this way. Ask yourself a simple question. Would you want your child going to a church where you know that the pastor could be very possibly ready to mess with your child? Oh, no. When it comes down, when all of a sudden it's your child. See, it's one thing to say, oh, well, if it's someone else's child, okay. But when it comes down to your child, all of a sudden now the shoe's on the other foot, and all of a sudden you want to say, okay, yeah, well, it's wrong. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's too risky to. Uh, and but this is my this is my thing. What happened to the pastor they already had before they got the new one? That's what I want to know. For them to have to even need a new pastor, did he pass away? Because I get it if the pastor passed away, I get them now needing a new pastor. But if he didn't and he just decided to, or maybe he retired or just decided to leave the church, but what would make you say in your mind as the people who decide who the pastor is going to be for the church to say, oh, I'm going to look past that he's a pedophile, a registered sex offender, and still let him teach at the church? You know, I don't. That's weird. And the Bible don't allow women to be preachers, but I've never heard of no woman pedophile. And what's beyond me is how can you sit there and listen to a sexual pedophile and take guidance following the words that he spews to you at the pulpit in the church? What does that say about your character, and who do you truly believe? He's not practicing what he preaches. Exactly. Right, but you know what? The church did that. Basically, basically he'd be saying, do as I say, but don't do as I do. So basically... you know, the church get bad because a person, because the person says, oh, I'm gay, I'm lesbian. For their sexual, <laughs> the church is mad because of their sexual preference. But you're okay with a man who's a registered sex offender. And because it's either the reason why... Your registered sex offender is because 
one, you touch you touch an underage person, or but I think even I think rapists have to um, register as sex offenders. So, which one is either a pedophile because you was messing with someone underage, or you raped someone? Yeah. You know, um, please forgive me if I offend anybody on this platform, but in my opinion, bottom line, if you can take that and take the word of a man who is a pedophile that stands on the pulpit and reads from the Bible and tells you, you know, what he feels is best and what you should follow, you might as well be listening to the devil. Exactly what I was saying there. Exactly, Doug. You, you you hit that nail square on the head. Well, according to the Bible, they, they, uh, was in the Bible. They say all this stuff was in the Bible. I don't, I don't condone it. But is is that true, Wolfgang? It said everything that we're doing, experiencing today, has already been done in the Bible. Uh, well, six, okay, right here, this particular situation, okay, pedophiles. You can guarantee that that was found in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, homosexuality, lesbianism, found in Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did God do with that city? Even when Abraham, Abraham Abram, pled for that city to not be destroyed, there was not found enough people in that city to be righteous enough to spare them, and he sent fire and brimstone and destroyed the city. He, he destroyed it because of their wickedness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, that's all kinds of wrong right there. I like I said, I don't I I don't feel those children's salvation be, you know, stopped just because they want to keep a pastor that they know is a pedophile. I mean, vote his ass out of there and get a reputable pastor in there and let those children learn uh, exactly what we've been saying. Vote vote that buzzard out. It, it, I said buzzard. Vote that buzzard bait out of there, that reprobate out of the pulpit, and get a good reputable pastor in there that will preach the word and get those little ones back in that church where they belong so they could hear the word of God. Yeah, exactly what you're saying, Six, exactly what all of us have been saying. Vote that buzzard bait reprobate out of there. Missionary King, you doesn't need to be in the pulpit. You know what I'm thinking? What if somebody in the church is just like the pastor? Very good possibility. That's why they voted him in. That's why they're not they're not getting rid of the pastor. Because if you got wicked people in the pew, you'll have a wicked pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if they compromise they'll get a compromising preacher. Exactly. If you got a compromising church, you'll have a compromising preacher. 
Because and by then, it's not a church anymore. It's a cult. Exactly. That's what it is. Because the, I know, I noticed that the church gets mad at people in their sexuality. <laughs> the church gets mad if a, if a woman comes in there pregnant and she will not marry. They're mad because she's not married, but she's having a child. Oh, don't. And then, and then you have. The church is mad at the way something is dressed, the way something is dressed when they go to church. But if God said, come as you are, why, why, why and they're coming as they are, why should that be a problem? Well, see, Road, okay, there's nothing wrong with coming as you are, but once you get born again, then it's a whole different story, whole another kettle of fish. The Bible says you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You don't stay the same way you are. When you were before you got saved, you wanted to be at the drug house. But when you get saved, you want nothing to do with the drug house. That is true. But the, See, but some people say, well, come as you are. What they're trying to teach is this grace covers everything I can do as I please, and grace covers it all. No, 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 no. Uh, once you get saved, there's a, supposed to be a change. No. But what I'm, I'm also saying this, Missionary King, that if I'm coming to your church for the night, if I'm coming to the church for the first time, if I'm not a person who goes to church, I don't know what the you know what etiquette is for church. If I'm this is my first time ever coming to a church, right? Or going to but church, that's what I'm, I'm saying. What if you're a first, what I'm saying, there's exactly what I said for a first time comer who may not know anything about Christ, who may not know anything, but once they've been taught, once they come to know Christ. The Bible is what teaches them. The Holy Spirit is what teaches them. Then they become a new creature in Christ, and they become new, and thus they learn. They realize don't come to church in uh, uh, short uh, a top that's so short that shows off everything. Okay. They realize that. But when they're first, when they first come, and they don't know what's expected of a person who's a Christian, of course they're not going to come. They're going to come just about any way. But when they get saved, they're supposed to be a change. You're right, missionary kids. But this, this right here is like this right here with the church. This story right here, I think, would deter someone wanting to go to church. <coughs> you know, you got people they they say they think and they say, you know what, I want to go to church. And then you hear a story like this, where a church is choosing a 
effective finger over the children of the church because he can't be around. Because the rules state when you're running successes and you're not allowed to be around children, that is the number one, that's basically the number one rule. Be around the church and then you're not allowed to be around children. And instead of saying, no, we're not going to take this, we're not going to take this pastor, we'll wait till we get another pastor. So the kids who still keep coming to church, they turn the pastor over to kids. And I think, like, people who are, like, they can have the decision of wanting to go to church and they're looking for a church home. Even so, I like this with the children who want to go to church. Um, Queen, if you don't mind me asking, where is this whole uh, pastor being a sex offender, and where is this church? What location is it's this church? Do you know? It's in It's in Jacksonville, Florida. Right now, I would love to pray for the people that go to that congregation. Please get out of there and get out of there now. Father God, cover them in your hand and with your blood, because from what I sense, and I could be wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but from what I sense, that is the devil, and he's leading or trying to lead a co-following into doing or thinking the wrong thing. When have you, when have you, any, any of you guys heard about that? or heard of that happening in a congregation, period. No. They, that's why they have the, I, in the church, they have the committee. They, should, they, have, they have the committee that decides of who's going to be the pastor. So. Oh, yes. So yes. If, you, if yep. we all think about it this way, somebody in that committee is just like the pastor, we need to get them out of there and and find the the bad the bad switches and get them out of there quick. That's bad. That's bad. The kids are the future, and they need to know. They need to know who God is. They need to know about Jesus, who Jesus is. That's the soundtrack to their life. And for this to be, you know, happening the way that it is, I really, really pray for those people in that church. Or, I'm sorry, going to that coat. That building needs a whole total do-over. Whole total do-over. Wow. 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 So the church, this the name of the church is the Christ Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church. It's in Johnsonville, Florida. So you're in Johnson. If you are a person, you live in Johnsonville, you're looking for a church home. We advise you not to go to that church. 
be advised. Let's pray for Florida, period. They're going through a lot. And you know what's sad about that? I know that the Missionary Baptist Union, they have they have bishops over that church and, and et cetera above that. Why aren't they doing their part? They have bishops and elders above that. Why aren't the ones above that in the in the union district doing something about that, saying, hold it. Uh, if this man is doing this, why aren't they telling that church, hey, uh, you got this guy for a pastor. Uh, he needs to be out. Why aren't they kicking him out, kicking him out of the district? Talk that talk. Because, because – uh, now, listen, listen, I used to be a, a minister in the Union District. So I know what I'm talking about. Just like him. Just like they say about the priests in the Catholic Church. We hear all these stories about priests in the Catholic Church who were touching young boys, even, and... And there was a story years ago where a Catholic priest got, got, they caught him, they found out he was touching young boys, and they stuck behind, they stuck behind the, the priest. Just like the church decided, oh, we, let's just bend the kids so we can have a pastor, they stuck behind this, this priest who got caught. Young boy. The kids, you think by not, by not letting the kids go to church, you're protecting them? You're, you're not protecting them because it, it can happen outside of church. It ain't going to happen inside of church. It can happen outside of church. Because I'm sure he lives in the area. <laughs> Wow. Wow. People over door ties need to be on their grind and be on their top game and make sure things like this don't ever occur in a momentous atmosphere such as a church. Yeah. There's um, another another story I wanted to talk about. Very low. There's another story that I wanted to talk about, and it has to do with a couple. So the husband called the cops to make a complaint, right? I think they in their area they heard gunshots. So the husband called the cops to make a complaint. And he went down I because I have a video of where there someone is explaining the situation, but it might be low and you won't be able to hear it. But I'm gonna see if I can get the video to be loud enough. Can you hear it? Um, no. 
So this is the story. It says, woman claims police held her to get husband to surrender. It's this, it says, a woman claims police held her to get husband to surrender. A Covington woman says she was detained by officers and not allowed to leave the police station until her husband submitted to an arrest. She and her, and her attorneys called the action based on a misdemeanor complaint unnecessary and illegal. So, so they held this woman at the police station and said they will let her go until her husband comes in. And as and it says it was a misdemeanor complaint at that, but they held her there because they wanted her husband to turn himself in, so they held her there. They figured, I guess they figured if they held her there, the cops the cops came to her door, knocked on her door, and she came out, she talked to the police, and they put handcuffs on her. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can pull this video up. Let's see if I can um, find this article. The full. Uh... But this to me is. I don't, you know, they want us to trust the police, and this right here is not making me want to trust the police. Most police departments and police officers, unfortunately, have their own way of dealing with certain things. Um, it's so fortunate. But uh, and, and at the same time, you know, the ones that think and, you know, do their job like that as such are very wrong. I think people, you know, police officers, I'm sorry, need to be more open and more guided as far as, you know, exactly what the facts are and go from there. Um, you're not a model type of police officer if you don't do your job as such. So serve and protect all. You're totally not following that if that's the case. So this happened in Atlanta. This story we're talking about right now happened in Atlanta. Okay. It's, so this is the article, and there's a video of this. So let me play the video. Let's play the video. Let's play the video. Okay. Can you hear that, or is it too low? I can hear it. Because the commercial is playing. It always happens the commercial plays before they play the actual video. So here it goes. You know how... Okay, for some reason, it froze. 
Give me a minute, y'all. The video froze. Mom, let me see if I can turn the volume up. Indeed. But, What's up, stop it? Hello to the people. Say hello to the people. So, I might, might as well just read the dialogue article. Cause I don't know why the video stopped. Let's see here. Okay, let me go. Let me go. Here we go. Let's see if this I'm trying to play the video again. I guess not. Oh, there we go. It's going slow. Get your shit together. (laughs) So let's see here. So this is the article. I'm going to read the article. It says, the coveted woman says officers detained her and held her at the police station in order for her husband to surrender to authorities. Her attorney, her attorney liking, liking the, who wrote this article? Her attorney liking the taxes to holding the woman for ransom. It says, okay, it says the first of two strains interactions took place May 2022, and 911 call came in about shots fired in the neighborhood along Melody Court. Eddie Ballard said he heard the commotion and walked outside where various officers and neighbors had gathered. An officer asked for his name. He responded with his first name but objected to handing over his full identification. Police soon placed handcuffs on him, but later a supervisor told the officer to remove the restraints. I went to the station and filed a complaint, Ballard said in an interview at his, his attorney's office. Four days later, several officers came back to the home looking for the husband. Candace Ballard explained only she and his three children were at the home. Officers decided to detain the wife and drive her to the police station. She said she was held and and body cam footage shows an exchange between a supervisor and Ms. Ballard where she was offered the opportunity to call and have her husband come in on a misdemeanor warrant. In exchange, she could leave. She made that call. Ballard, who was serious, surrendered to a charge of obstruction of not providing his identification. Authorities declined to speak with Fox 5, citing pending litigation. So they only arrested the husband because he w- they put cuffs on the husband because he didn't get show identification. Now, remember I said it was Fox Shine and Fox Shine, Fox Shots fired in the neighborhood. Shots fired. I know it's, it's coming out sometimes. Shots fired in the neighborhood. And the police, the police was there, and neighbors came out their home. And so he came out his home, and they asked him his name, and he only gave them his first name, which is Eddie. And he didn't show identification that he was a, I guess, 
to prove he's a resident that he lives there or whatever. So they put handcuffs on him. They took him down. They took him. The supervisor said, "Take the handcuffs off." So they took the handcuffs off because the supervisor said so. So what he did is he went down to the station and made a complaint about what just happened to him. The next day, the cops come back, and the wife answers the door. They arrest her and take her down to the station and kept her there. And told her the only way we'll let you leave is if you get your husband to come down and and surrender. So he has a misdemeanor warrant for obstruction of not showing his ID. I've never ever heard of such a thing where the cops could arrest you because they ask for your ID and you don't show it. So the rest of this is, so it says she made the call to get her husband to come down. I'm trying to get to the rest of that. Got all this there, got advertisement. I guess that's where the article ends, saying that she made the call for the husband to come. And that's where the article ends. That don't make no sense. Aggravated assault, criminal damage to property in the first degree. Back on August 5th, police were called to the mall for the shooting, and police later determined the shots were fired. That, that don't make sense. I just in the article talking about she made the call to have the husband come down so she can leave the. This, this, this is crazy that I hear shots fired. I come out my house, who's there. Other neighbors that are around are there, but you putting handcuffs on me because I wouldn't show you my ID? I live in well, the neighborhood. first off, Go if ahead. you heard shots fired, why the hell? No, but the police were called. So they heard the shots, police were called, police came to the area, to, you know, to check the area. But, you know, once the police are there, the neighbors are out. So he comes out his house, and when the police asked him his name, he said, Eddie. But I guess because he didn't show them ID, who, if I just came out of my house, I'm not going to have ID in my pocket. I'm coming out of my house to assess the situation because there's police outside. And I want to assess the situation to see what's going on. I'm not going to have ID you in my be... pocket. I'm not going to have my wallet in my pocket. Not he gave the cops his name. He just said Eddie. And because he didn't show them ID, they put cuffs on him. And then the supervisor was like, take the cuffs off. So they took the cuffs off. And because they put cuffs on him, he went down to the station and made a complaint. And that's, that's what they didn't like, so they came back and they charged the, the, the husband with obstruction of not showing ID. With all the stuff going on. I'm sorry. But they want to they um, charge him with obstruction of not showing identification. 
Mason taxpayers' money. And this is in Covington, in Covington County in Atlanta. What's going on? Yeah, they full of doo-doo out there. I mean, with all the things that's going on um, in this world, and I know in that county they are very prejudiced, Covington area. Um, that That's just some bull, you know, to, to even go through that. That was more of a, a revenge thing versus... Um, really handling police business. I'm sure that there's plenty of things that they could have been working on or patrolling versus messing with that man like that and his wife. That sounds more well, like they a got lawyers. Thing. They got a lawyer now. So I'm sure we're going to hear more on this story. But I come out my house and see what the what, why the police is outside. And I'm getting cussed on me because I want to show you ID, but I told you my name. Yeah, it sounds like it's more to that equation than what's being put out there. Because the way it seems, to me, it seems like they they acting like he the one that did the shot, like he the one that was shooting the gun. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, again. I hope I'm wrong, but it's more to that equation. That's what I'm smelling. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Like a lot of these police are in the news, and they're in the, they're not in the news for anything good. They're they're starting to take. Well, they're not starting. They've been doing it for a, a very long time. They're taking the law into their own hands as if they feel the need to do so. And what they fail to realize is that when it comes to the general equation of when you're dealing with the general public and you're a service officer, police officer, or whatever you want to label it and call it, you know, a, a lot of the ending is really up to you. It's about how you treat your atmosphere and how you treat these people. You're on beat. You're on patrol. You're the one that's protecting and serving. You treat the people with courtesy, then you can expect courtesy back. But if you don't do that, then, you know, yeah, it's going to be kind of awkward for you. And, you know, as a result, I guess, to the high crimes and, you know, um, the rate that everything is happening, they feel that they have to take the law into their own hands. And you can't do that. So why do you police officer. Can't do it. 
how do you feel that they feel inclined to do it? Excuse me? Why do you think the cops feel inclined to do so? Uh, you know what? Um, is there really a, a, a correct answer when it comes to that? You know, um, again, you're in the general public. Treat these people as such, and these people will treat you the same way. If they don't do that, then you have a job to do. Do your job. Don't step out of bounds. Period. Period. Don't touch these people. You have no right to do that. Don't shoot these people. You definitely don't have a right to do that. You know, and then, you know, we have a responsibility at the same time to respect each other and uphold the law. Everybody falls short to a degree. It's complete chaos. Everybody falls short to a degree. You just need to get it together. That's all. Yeah. I respect the law. I I, I respect authority, you know, but at the same time, they have to file. They have to feel the same for us, you know, and we have to come to that middle court. It's like we all have to, you know, treat this thing as if, as such, like it's ours because, you know, we we have to stay out here in these streets, and they have to protect us from the harm that comes around in these streets. You know, there there should be no foolish things being 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 tampered with and, and done when it comes to law enforcement. If you can't do the job, don't 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 feel the responsibility. You know, if you're out here as, you know, um, a man or a woman and you're living your best life or, you know, trying to make it as much way in, as you can, you know, um, fulfill your role and do what you need to do so you won't be in that equation. If shots are fired and if I'm not the one doing it, why the hell am I walking out the house to see what's going on? I could be hit by these shots being fired if there's nothing else behind it if it's just that why be nosy and why put yourself in a situation that has nothing to do with you to where the police do come to your house yeah you know all business isn't your business works both ways You know, um, I'm not trying to be a homer about the situation, but like I say, we all have responsibilities, and, um, you know, if we don't want to be a part of no, you know, situation that has nothing to do with us, we have to, you know, know our role and and follow to the best of our ability. If not, then we'll always be in situations to where it has nothing to do with us. And a lot of those situations are hard to get out of. Yeah. 
So. Say a prayer for the nation. That's all we can do. Say a prayer for the nation. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, so. It was on. Your network turned 12. If you all me a love offering for 12 years in radio on the Six Eyes Radio Network, my cash app is dollar sign S I X E Y E S. The number 90 seconds. All right. So it, and seeing that we talk so much that we are paying to the time that the show is about to end. The live show is about to end, and we're about to hit the bonus hour. So I appreciate everybody tuning in to 16 more than one the sound of any subscribe radio. We'll be back again next Tuesday with some more topics. Is it 60 seconds? Talk about for next Tuesday. Um, before we go, I would like to say uh, to my daughters, Michaela and Jada, I love you, young queens. Um, I love you. I love you. Be better than me. That's a beautiful thing. All right. Hello, little queens. Hello, hello, hello. And if you can guess, or not guess, tell me, Trump is dinner time. You win $10 on the next show. What time is Trump speeding time? Those affiliated with the Six Eyes Radio Network and higher upper management is not eligible to win the ten, 10 seconds. So if you know feeding time, let me know for dinner, and you can win ten dollars. All right. All right. Well, we're so we'll in the tower. Stage dancing. So I, I, I figured since we're in the bonus hour for a little bit, we should have a little fun. So I'm you going here. Should I just? What you say? I said Blue Ivy on on tour. You keep going in and out think? and in here what you I said Blue Ivy has been going in dancing on Beyonce's Renaissance tour. What do you think about that? That's great that she's getting to spend time with her mom like that and make money at the same time. That's right. I have to agree. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's the second coming of uh, Beyonce. I um, think it's history making that in the show. It's time waste for no man because that girl is now a young woman on stage dancing and, and tearing it up. So um, shout out to Beyonce. Shout out to Blue Ivy. Her, the whole family. Shout out to the Carters. That covers everybody. Hey, what up? <laughs> um. So let me let me ask you all this. Now, 
know, a lot of a lot of artists have been getting stuff thrown at them. Seriously, but I tell you, somebody that ain't taking it, Alicia Keys' son is being security on stage. He stands there with his arms folded, and he dares somebody to throw something at his mama. He, that man is serious. That little boy is serious. He's sitting there with his arms folded, throw something at my mama. I think that's so cool. At five years old, he's up there protecting his mom. I think that's such a cool thing. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. I love him already. <laughs> I love him already. Serious. He's up there, guys, little arms folded. She's up there singing and playing that piano. He's like, hey, throw up something. I love it, man. I love it. It's a beautiful thing. You know, these artists are are to be able to go on stage, do their craft, and not have to worry about the hecklers and, you know, craziness going on. Because I tell a story. My, my father told me a story when him and my mother first started dating. You know, they would go out to the little clubs or whatever. And it was a club called Leo's Casino. And they saw Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was like 11 years old at the time. And they went out, uh, they went to see him. And they had to rush him on stage. And somebody threw a chair on stage. So they, oh, had to wow. rush him, they had to rush him off stage. And then after they got it, got everything calmed back down, he came back out to continue to perform. But these artists, they're under enough pressure already. So just let them, you know, perform their ballad and, you know, go on to the next city. Without now, I must say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I must say, as a... Security guard slash security body. Um, it was really really fun when when whenever we encounter you know situations like that because what we would do you know we would diffuse the situation, get back to it, and eliminate whoever was the cause of it. So that was really really fun. <laughs> okay. And ladies and gentlemen, that is our black Kevin Costner security detail. So um, any security needs, uh, that's your guy. So so what's the most craziest situation you had to break up? Oh, my goodness. Uh, some crazy situations. Um, at the Health and Beauty Expo, uh, somebody was trying to get to a fellow female wrestler slash Hall of Famer Stacey Keebler, and um, – the first time he tried, he really didn't apply to any pressure. You know, he's trying to get to her, hug her, you know, uh, shake her hand. And the way he was trying to hug her was kind of inappropriate. You know, we seen it coming from a mile away. And the second time he made the attempt, you know, he got closer, you know, to her than he did the first time. So um, I saw that. I put him in the full Nelson, kind of locked his legs up and held him there for a couple of minutes. And um, he ended up kind of defecating on himself. It was uh, kind of out there, but, you know, we got the job done. So needless to say, you had a mess on your hand. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that. That was clever, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So I figured we have a little fun. I got a trivia question. Let's see if we get this right. Which tre- which chess piece? can only move on one color. Is it the rook, 
the bishop, the knight, or the queen, which chess piece can only move on one color? Uh, uh, oh, man. Um, is it the queen? So, Doug, they're going with the queen. What did you say, Steve? Yeah. The rook. Okay, so let, me, let me see. I'm going to go. So, my answer to the question, I said bishop. Which is the correct answer? So, 21% said the rook. 9% said the queen. But the correct answer, 57% said bishop. Mm, okay. Okay. You know, my father tried to get me. My father tried to get me to know how to play chess, but I, I just didn't. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he tried to get me to learn how to play chess. It was. Let me see if I, I, I can find another one. Another one. Okay. Okay, let's see this. Okay, here we go. Let's see here. This one is name the artist. All these name all these artists that died at the age of twenty seven. This is going to six, so six so we can get to answer all these questions of artists who died at the age of twenty seven. This lead singer from Novana died in nineteen ninety four. Is it Kurt Cobain, Eddie Vedder, Chris Cornell? This lead singer from Novana died in nineteen ninety four. Is it Kurt Cobain? Kurt Cobain. Okay, here's the here's, here's the next one. This singer songwriter died in 1970. Is it Joan Baez, Dusty Springfield, Janis Joplin? Janis Joplin. That's correct. Well, fair. I mean, I, I I shouldn't be able to answer these questions. But this lead singer died in 1971. Is it Dwayne Allman, Jim Croce, or Jim Morrison? Jim Morrison. Okay. It says, "Who is the singer?" It's a picture of the singer, female singer. Who died in 2011 at age 27? Is it Selena, Amy Winehouse? Amy Winehouse. You said she died in 2011. 2011, okay. Yeah. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Who is this guitar legend who died in 1969? Is it Bob Marley, Howlin' Wolf, or Jimi Hendrix? Jimi Hendrix. 
Well, this is, okay, you got it. Okay, this, okay, this New York City artist died in 1988. Is it Joshua John, John Michael Baptiste, Steve Herring? He's an artist, meaning he paints pictures. So we got Joshua John, John Michael Baptiste. Who? Ken, the last one you said, the last name. Keith, you said Keith Herring? That's wrong. Yeah. It is John Michael Baptiste. Okay. Uh, okay. Not Baptiste, it's Bastia. My bad, it's Bastia. I'm saying the last name wrong. It's what about all the other damn you didn't answer? What about the old man get the answers to those? He said it was Bastia. I gave you the, the list of all the names, and then you told me the last one was your answer, and I no. told you who was the right answer. It's Bastia. All the other questions. You got all them the right. All the other questions you got right except for that one. That's the only one you got wrong. Okay. You say so Bastia. This is, this is the next one. Mm. This Rolling Stone died in 1969. Is it Brian Jones, Keith Moon, Ronnie Wood? He was a former Rolling Stone. Keith Moon. Bonnie Jones. Nope. It was Brian Jones. All right. So you got All right. two wrong. So you got two wrong so far. Says this blues musician died in 1938. Was it Robert Johnson, Elmore James, Brian Lemon Jefferson? This blues musician died in 1938. Was it Robert Johnson, Elmore James, Brian Lemon Jefferson? Brian Elmore James. Brian Lemon Jefferson's out of there. Six, you got it wrong. It was Robert Johnson. Uh, okay. So you got three wrong. So Ron Sigmund McCarran was a member of what band? Was it the Mamas and the Papas, the Grateful Dead, the Doobie Brothers? Doobie Brothers. Grateful Dead. So the choices are the Mamas and the Papas, the Grateful Dead, the Doobie Brothers, and the person who died at 27, who was a part of the group, his name is Ron Pigpen McCarran. And what did you say, Six? The Doobie Brothers. Wrong. It was the Grateful Dead. Hey. This is the last one. This is the last one. This is the last question. This canned heat singer and guitarist died in 1970. Was it Nick Drake, Baby Huey, Alan Blind, Owl Wilson? So the choices are Nick Drake, Baby Huey, Alan Blind, Owl Wilson. Canned heat singer and guitarist died in 1970. 
Baby Huey. That's what you're going with, Six? Baby Huey? Uh, I have no clue. So, nope. It was Allen Blind Owl. So, out of, mm. you got, so you got five right out of ten. Speaking of trivia, I've got two trivia questions, but you'll get the answers on next Monday's Jumbo Braille program. And we'll also be talking about, again, but more in-depth on the uh, service dog issue. But um, the two trivia questions I'm going to ask and see if anybody can answer is, question one, what one modification is needed to make the game of Connect Four accessible to those with a visual inconvenience? And the second is, what two modifications are needed to make the game of checkers accessible to a person with visual inconveniences? Mm. Think about it. And then join us on Monday, 1 p.m., on the Six Eyes Radio Network Station 2, 515-605-9340, and you'll get the answers then and see if you're right or wrong, okay? What you have to, well, I'll tell y'all, I'll tell y'all on the show. Okay, let's see here. Uh, okay, I got another trivia question. This is for... Your phone, what's going on? Okay, I got another trivia, and this one is from Missionary Ken. What is the lowest natural point on Earth? Is it Death Valley, Philippine Trench, Challenger Deep, or Turpin Depression? What is the lowest natural point on Earth? Is it Death Valley, Philippine Trench, Challenger Deep, or Turpin Depression? Have no clue. So the second one. You say you going Death with Valley. You going with the second one. The first one is Death Valley. The second one is Philippine Trench. Philippine Trench. You you get lost in that Philippine Trench, it's over. That's what Death Valley. King couldn't answer it. That's what you're going with, Six. I got I got some people that got lost in there. Okay. The correct answer The correct answer is the Challenger Deep. 28 30% said Challenger Deep. 28% said Death Valley. 24% said Philippine Trench and 18% said Turpin Depression. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. See these. I I like doing these trivia questions because with these trivia questions you get to learn something. Right. Even though you don't know the answer, you still get to learn something. Let me see if I can find another one. 
Here we go. Okay. This is history. And the question is, who was the first president to graduate from college? Was it John Adams, Woodrow Wilson, Andrew Johnson, or Thomas Jefferson? Who was the first president to graduate from college? Woodrow Wilson. Nope, Thomas Jefferson. He barely, he barely Wrong, both of y'all are wrong. The answer is John Adams. Says, John Adams, our nation's second president, was the first president to graduate from college, earning a bachelor's degree from Harvard University in 1775. Remarkably, when Adams attended Harvard on a on scholarship at the age of 15, the university boasted a mere 100 students. During that era, Harvard was among the only four colleges in the American colonies, along with Yale, William and Mary, and the College of New Jersey, later known as Princeton. Following his graduation, as became an attorney despite not having attended law school. Well, yeah. he didn't graduate drunk. And um, what, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Um, he did not actually graduate. Uh, John Adams did not actually graduate. But what he we're going to do is with a bachelor's degree. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. Let, let me see if I can... Let's see if I can find one more. Let's see. Here we go. Some of these are are usually quite easy, and some of these usually questions of subjects you don't really know. Okay, this is about. What day of the this is a what day of the week was September eleventh, two thousand and one? Was it a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or it was Saturday? Tuesday? It was a Tuesday. That's Tuesday. Correct. That's correct. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Let's see here. I flew in that day. Day I'll never forget. Let's see if I can find one more. Here we go. This one is this is a good one. This is a music one. But this is a ten question one. And is asking, can you complete these seventies lyrics? So these are songs from the seventies that you would know. You know, most of us was born in the seventies, but still, we would, because we listened to them, we would know. Can you finish? No, do you know the lyrics? Okay. What's the rest of this lyric to this first one? Bye bye, Miss American Pie. Blank to the left. Let it was dry. Just said it. What? What'd you say? Drove my Chevy to the levee when the levee was dry. 
got that second one. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your blank. I'll help you carry on. Be your friend. I'll help you carry on. This is so unfair. Okay, here's the third one. Some people call me the blank. Yeah, some call me the gangster of love. This is the song. The song title is called The Joker by the Steve Miller Band. Uh, yeah, you got me on that one. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the multiple choice that they give. It says King, Pied Piper, Space Cowboy, Madman. Say it again. Some people call Mad me Man. a blank. Yeah. Some people call me a gangster of love. So you're Madman. You saying Madman? That is wrong. It's Space Cowboy. Okay. Well, I, I, that was a good you one. never heard that song? Uh-uh. What's the name of that song? The name of that what song is... What is it called? Is, um, the Joker. What's the name of the song? The Joker. Play the Joker. By who? The Steve Miller Band. Played the Joker by the Steve Miller Band. Played the Joker by the Steve Miller Band. So here's the next one. This is Tiny Dancer by Elton John. It says, hold me closer, Tiny Dancer, count the blank on the highway. So sign, headlights, castle. Broken dreams. Oh man, I know that. I know that. Let me throw, I'm gonna say it again. Home closer, tiny dancer. Count the blank on the highways. Road signs, headlights, castles, broken dreams. Road lights. Are you talking about road signs or are you talking headlights? It's two different ones. Road lights. There's no road lights. It's road signs or headlights. Which one are you going with? Road signs. It is headlights. Here's the next one. This is a blueprinting song. And it's called Born and Run. Play Tiny Dancer. It says, we got to get out while we're young, because blank like us, baby, we were born to run. So as a tramp, guys, lovers, rebels, which one fits the blank? As a tramp, guys, lovers, rebels, says, we got to get out while we're young, because blank like us, baby, we're born to run. Lovers. No, it was Tramp. The answer was Tramp. Yeah. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. This one is by John Denver, Take Me Home, Country Roads. I'm sure you've heard this before because they played it a lot in commercials. I'll be able to answer this one. It says Country Roads. 
take me home to the place I belong. Blank Mountain Mama, take me home, country road. In the North Carolina, Alabama, West Virginia, Tennessee. West Virginia. Say those that, that those answers again. West Virginia. North Carolina. West Virginia. West Virginia, Tennessee. Yeah, West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, country road. Yeah, that you got it right. There's the next. That's right. Year. I'm killing them. Yeah. So this one is by Aerosmith, and it's called Dream On. And it says, sing with me, sing for the years, sing for the blank, sing for the tears. As a dreamer, laughter, memories, lovers. Sing for the laughter, sing for the, 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 laughter. You go with laughter. It was last <laughs> this, this one is Maggie made by Rod Stewart. So wake up, Maggie. Oh, I yeah. think I got something to say to you. Maggie Sue. It's late September. Maggie Sue. Wake up, Maggie Sue. I got something to say to you. So the, the, the fill in the blank is, is, is either over you, going soon, back at school with someone new. Someone new? Nope. It was back at school. Damn. So this one is Tell by... what he's won. This one is by Eric Clapton. And it's, it's called Wonderful T- Tonight. It's late in the evening. She's wondering what blank. Food to eat, book to read, clothes to wear, or excuse to use. I don't know. Sound like you're eating your phone. I don't know. It's kind of hard to hear you. Um, that, so is it? It's late. So this is you didn't have dinner tonight. It's late in the evening. You didn't have dinner. Wondering what to eat, book to read, clothes to wear, ex- excuse to use. So which one fills the blank? Clothes to wear. That's what you're going with. Yeah. You got it right. Because I'm the motherfucking man. Okay. Uh, Missionary King might know this one. Missionary King, do you know the devil went down to Georgia? Absolutely. So then you should be able to get No the- way. No way. There's chicken in, in a bread pan, picking out dough. Granny does blank. No child, no. Your choices are your car run, your bread rise, your head hurt, your dog bite. Uh, read those one more time. I think it's the last one, but read them again. Your car run, your bread rise, no. your head hurt, your dog bite. Think the last one, your dog bites. You got that right. Let's see. It's tallying up the results. Six out of ten, so four out of the ten questions is wrong. So that's not bad. How many I got right? Well, it was a collective. 
So four, okay. six out of ten were right, four were wrong. Okay. Cool. We're a good team. All right. That one wasn't bad. Let's see what this one is. No, I don't know if y'all would know that one sitcom character. That's basically all the trivia I have for right now. So I have to get ready for my next show in the know. So we're going to call it a night on Six and Road. So we appreciate all right. who has tuned in. Yeah. We'll see you at the next show where we have more great topics to discuss. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Keep God first. With them, we're everything. Without them, we're nothing. All right. Nothing left to say after that. But peace, one, love. God bless everybody. God bless. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.